Welcome, welcome, welcome. You're tuning into the Lead to Excel podcast, the hub where science meets leadership and transformation begins. I'm your host, Maureen Chiana, founder of the Mindsight Academy, a trailblazer in the world of neuroleadership. I'm an executive neuro coach, leadership transformer, and a neuroscience enthusiast dedicated to empowering leaders, entrepreneurs, and change makers like you. Every week, we delve into the heart of neuroscience to discover how you can unleash your potential, master your brain, manage emotions, yours and others, alter behaviors, and exceed expectations. We are here to help you, not just to survive, but thrive and flourish in the fast-paced world around us. We're about to kick off another high-impact episode today, diving into a topic that is powerful, intriguing, and has the potential to shift your leadership journey. So my friends, it's time to put on your thinking caps, grab your favorite beverage, and get comfortable. It's time to elevate your leadership to excel and soar higher. Let's dive right in. Okay, today's episode is is an interesting one because this lady I have known forever and um, we've never done a podcast together. So we will see where this leads, but listeners be prepared for some interesting brain rewiring, anything you want to think of, but listen to this podcast because this lady is amazing. And her name is Blessing Enakimio. Dr. Blessing Enakimio, welcome to Lead to Excel podcast. Thank you very much. I'm so pleased to be here. I am really pleased to be here as well. (laughs) So I'm going to start by saying Actually, Blessing, introduce yourself. I think that would be a good start. Who is Blessing? It is a, that's, a, that's a very, very long question to answer, isn't it? Okay, so I'm Dr. Blessing Anakine, the CEO of Leg Global, um, amongst many other things. I run a few companies, um, but I like to define myself as a multi-potentialite. And Multi-what? Multi-potentialite. Oh, I love that. Multi-potentialites. I love that. Yeah. What does that mean before you go on? Okay. Um, it means that I I am multiple in my potential and I'm not fully defined. I always like to say I'm forever becoming more. Um, so the best word I found was multi-potentialites. So I keep that close to my heart so that I don't restrict myself in being who I am, but I'm forever becoming more. Mm, I love that. Thank you. Okay. So I'm an event designer um, and I am also an international businesswoman and I facilitate international trade. Wow. Thanks for that blessing. And that new world, that new world, that new word is, it's great. Now, um, I want us to kind of um, elaborate a bit on blessing as a person. So, just tell us a bit about you in terms of where did you grow up and, you know, where are you now, where you live now. So just give us a bit of background. 
Okay, so I was born in London, in United Kingdom. I was here um, in my infant years, I think up to the age of four. And then my my parents relocated to Nigeria, so I went with them. So I did my education in Nigeria. I came back to England in my 20s, I think. Yeah, it must have been, yeah, because I came back for my university studies in England. I lived in London, but now I am in Kent. Thank you so much. So in terms of your um, background, what did you study? You know, what was what was your, your, your degree in and, you know, how? Yeah, let's start there. Okay, so my very first, I suppose my background, I started off life working before education, let's put it that way. So um, back in Nigeria, before I came out here, I, I would say I had to work. So I started off with um, a, a job, I think I was about 15 or 16. I started off with a, a business selling deodorant, I think it was. Yeah, I, I bought and sold deodorants. I bought and sold baby clothes. And then I got a job, which was very exciting at, at the age of 16 in the, in the primary school. And I didn't have a job title. It was just... The lady who did anything that needed to be done. So I covered all classes from nursery all the way to primary six. Then Nigeria, that's what it's called, which is year six here, I suppose, same thing. Yeah. Um, and then when I then came over and went into university, I started off university in Nigeria, University of Ibado. I did uh, animal science. I did one year of animal science. And then I think that took three years because of all the strikes. So I came over to the UK and got into do psychology. Um, I started off with psychology. I think I did up to three years. I couldn't afford to finish. Um, so I carried on working because I was working um, full time and studying part time. I couldn't afford to finish. So I think at year three of third year of university, I, I dropped out because of financial reasons. I carried on with my working career and built myself on and then went on later to, to back into um university and i and i have a master's in education amongst wow. many other amongst many other qualifications now yeah thank you so much for sharing that with us so i want to dig a bit into the you said you had to work what what was that like and um how did you what do you mean by that and what was that like um and from about the age of 14, things started to change financially for my family. I, I got two older ones, siblings. So they were in polytechnic at the time. Um, but I was still in secondary school, just rounding up. And I noticed that things changed. Um, things had changed financially significantly. You know, my, my dad went through a couple of scams that um, took everything he ever earned, his life savings, his everything, you know. So... Uh, it was, I was in a situation where if I wanted anything, I I, I had to give it to myself. But I, I was okay to manage, you know, with whatever was happening and just joining with the family, being the baby of the house. I just got on with it. But I noticed one day I went into my parents' bathroom and I noticed that they were in their soap dish was a detergent in Nigeria called Omo. I don't know if you remember. Mm -hmm. I know that. So it's, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a washing powder, essentially. Yes. That's what they yeah. had in their soap dish. So I thought to myself, hang on a minute. Why are they using that to shower? 
Okay, mm-hmm. I was able to buy my own little joy soap, imperial leather, you know, with my little businesses. I was able to cover myself, but what's happening with my folks, you know, and I didn't like that. And I thought, I know my dad is doing his best. I know my mom's business. She's doing what she can. You know, she's keeping a roof over her head with her business. Maybe I can do more, you know. So that was why I started applying for jobs. And of course, my parents were not happy with it. You're not going to work. You're too young. You need to go to school. So a couple of jobs I applied for via my parents, friends, I did get the jobs, but of course they told my parents before they told me and my parents declined it. So I never got to go. So in the end, I had to go behind their backs, which was very risky. Um, but I did, I got the, went for the interview, snuck out of the house, did all that, got the job. Of course, when I came back, I was told off and da, 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 the usual, but then I said, but I just got a job. My mom didn't believe. She was like, if your father can't get a job, who's going to give you a job? You're only a kid. I said, but I did get it. And I'm starting on Monday. Wow. And I, I I remember vividly that I had to go and stay during the period of the interviews and the training and everything. I had to go and stay in um, a friend's house, a family friend's house to say that I, I was just visiting with them. But it's because I was going for the job um, mm-hmm. interviews, a different series. I had to do that, you know. Um, so I got the job. My mom was happy I got the job. And every time I got a salary, I bring my envelope back to her and she'll, she'll, I'll give it to her. So that added to the income of the house and yeah. slowly but surely the soap dish for me is that soap dish. There was no longer detergent in there. There was soap. There was joy soap. I remember wow. joy. Wow. And for me, that that was why I did it. And I think from then on, it's been a case of if I see anything that I don't like, mm. I always say this saying, if it if it has to be, it's up to me. You know, mm. that has just always been my drive. If it is to be, it's up to me. So uh, if I, if a, a problem gravitates towards the solution. So if I identify a problem, it's not for me to flag it. It's for me to solve it. Wow. Blessed. This, you were 40, 15 at this time. Yeah. And you are the last born. And usually what you tend to find with a lot of last bonds, this is not generalizing, but you te- you know, a lot of times last bonds are the ones that are chilled because they don't have to do much. And so what was it about blessing or what was it that actually made you, I don't know if, is there something you grew up? I don't know, but why? I think my question is, what was it about you that made you say, I'm going to work, you know, why, you know, why don't I stay after I've got younger ones, they can look after me. What was it about, you know, what I'm trying to figure out what was going on in your brain to make you see that, um, soap, you know, that, um, powder soap. In fact, we, yeah. What was it about the Omo for those that know Omo or Ariel? And basically it, it literally is similar to what we use in a dishwasher, dishwashing powder now, or washing powder is similar. What was it about it that triggered in you that, okay, it's up to me because that's not what a 15 year old would be thinking usually or most 15 year olds. I know that I wasn't I wasn't going to use Omo to wash my body. I we had run out of soap many, 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 many months ago, if not maybe years ago. And I had been using soap to shower. How come? Because I was with my little trade buying it for myself. Mm. Um I I could meet my own soap need. 
let's put it that way. And I was, yeah. I don't know. I, but then I'd never thought that my parents would need my help. I don't, it wasn't what I was thinking at the time, but I just mm-hmm. thought if I can buy one for myself from the little I'm doing, mm-hmm. I, the whole point of going into the deodorant business was because I wanted deodorant and I thought, okay, the best way to do it is to sell it. If I, if I owned it, then I can have one, isn't it? So mm-hmm. I started trading in deodorant and mm-hmm. it, it's from church, isn't it? The lady who was doing it, I just took some from her and said, I haven't got capital. Can I, can I take some? When I sell, I'll, you know, I'll replenish. And the thing is, I'd grown up in a home that is quite ent- entrepreneurial. My mom was a, a very a vivid businesswoman. I saw her set up many women in business. So maybe innately, I'd grown up seeing women empowered, maybe. So unconsciously, that was already my my wiring, so to speak, that women can do stuff, you know, because I'd seen my mom do it for women on the street. She'd see women who were hawking and she'll call them in and say, okay, instead of selling what you're selling, I'll give you a crate of Coke. You sell it, bring back the money and, and take your profit. You know, she had empowered quite a few women. So I'd seen that happen. So I took the same thing and approached people who were in business in church to say, give me some, I'll sell, and then I'll, I'll return the capital and take my profit. And that's how I started. So a, a simple thing of soap, I could do it. It wasn't a big deal. And I was buying it for myself. So just buying two a month, it just means I have to sell more. That's how I saw it. Um, so I took that on. Um, but then it, it led me down the path of actually, if I can do that, why why just get only petty? I can go and get a job. Uh, it's not like I'm doing anything. Uh, university is on strike. Uh, it's not like I can get in. There's no money to go to university anyway. So why not? You know. So I think for me, innately, it was as if, what else is there to do? That's how it was for me, I suppose. Amazing. Actually, that is, um, I think you kind of answered the question I was going to ask next, because okay. my, what I was trying to find out is, what had you seen? What What was it? What, you know, because where did it come from? For a 15-year-old to really go out to get a job, for a 15-year-old to see that, see, there's a problem here, and I, I can do something about it. And I think what you've what you've described is that your mom was doing something similar. So you had seen that empowerment. You had seen her empowering others. You had seen her running a business. You had seen her, you know, see, see a, a problem with other people and solve it. And I think that's so important because what we see as children is wired into our brain very subconsciously she did not have to say anything to you you saw it it got wired passively and when a problem came up you knew what to do without even thinking about it and that's so powerful so i really thank you for sharing that with us thank you so i'm now going to bring us back now to the uk because i really wanted us to get to the foundation basically and one of the things because you've really talked a bit what you said you've talked a lot about that problem solving you know see a problem and it's up to you to solve it i know you quite well and i see that play out in you over and over so in terms of coming to the uk you then um Really, because what you said is that you couldn't afford to finish your um, degree of psychology. You didn't fall apart. You looked for a solution. It's the same thing playing out again, you know, and then 
in fact, even how you came to the UK, it's that whole process playing out. And then you then moved on. Now you've got, then you had a master's in education. And how did you then navigate to come into being an events planner? Or not events planner, you, it's events design, designer. Events designer, that's the one. <laughs> did you yeah. navigate through that to be to get into events designing? Yeah, if you just share that with us. Okay, so coming to the UK um, in the first place was a case of I have the option. I'm a British citizen. If I if I'm doing so much being in Nigeria with my folks, if I moved, if I moved space, could I do more? That was the question. Um, and I think the answer was an immediate yes. But then the question that followed was how, because how do I afford to get a flight ticket? Where am I going to stay? Blah, blah, blah. You know, how, what are the logistics behind it? And I thought, okay, my mom's sister still lives here. No one knows what she's doing. I reached out to her. Can I just hold that thought, Blessing? I'm sorry, I'm going to keep interrupting That's you. Fine. Okay, so during this whole thought process of what can I, you know, I'm doing it here. How can I do it? Was this you driving this or was it your parents where you was who was this coming from it was me my parents had their own issues they were dealing with they were trying to stay afloat you know so I was inconsequential I was they were so drowned in what they were doing that I had the liberty to engage myself with my thoughts wow wow Um, you know so you want someone could look at it and say oh you were rejected you were abandoned no I wasn't I was I had the free will to explore myself Mm -hmm. my sister my Mm -hmm. brother they were offered in in their in their university in their stuff I was home alone you know with um, my parents and I could I could just explore whatever I could that allowed me to dare myself So um, it was a case of if I'm going to go to the UK, I can't go empty handed. I need to upskill. I need to make sure I have something I can do as soon as I get in. Um, So little things that I was doing around the house, the baking, the stuff. I went, I found a a neighbor who I know ran a school for baking. So I registered with her. Again, I didn't, I couldn't afford the fees. So in exchange, I can braid hair. So I said, I I would do your hair for a month in exchange for admission into your baking school. Um, She agreed to it um, because I had, my mom had a hairdressing salon as well as other things she was doing. So I had a lot of skills. I was, I brought up in in it. So I exchanged value. That's why I talk about value a lot. I exchanged my hairdressing skills to get access to her baking school. I qualified, did that, got that, happy with that. Um, then in the, some of the parents that I was working with, the kids who lived on the street, I, I worked with, I said, instead of you paying drivers and your nannies to take the kids to school, I can come around, there were about 10 of them, I can come around and pick everyone up, take them to school and bring them back every day. And we negotiated a rate. So I was earning from that as well. How old were you at this time? Uh, probably still as a teenager. Yes, yes. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So I did that. Yeah. Then also, of course, there, there were a few girls there, people where they were having hairdressers coming and going. And I thought, no, I'll come pick your kids up, take them to my uh, salon. I'll undo the hair, wash it and look after them. That Saturday, that means you're getting childcare as well. And their hairs are done and I'll return them. So I had quite a lot of little jobs 
mm-hmm. and I had a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I was making, mm-hmm. you know, for, for, for my age, it's not like I had to pay yeah. rent or anything. So I was making a lot of money and all the money I was making from my job, the full-time job was going straight into my mom and she was reinvesting it in her business. So her business skilled because she had a lot of capital monthly coming in. Then the money I was making from these other little jobs I could spend, if that makes sense. Um, so I, I I had enough cash flow uh-huh, for myself. Uh-huh, and then I was uh-huh. also providing for my family. And my mom was just, you know, doing her magic with, with whatever I was bringing in. And her, she went from selling retail Coca-Cola to becoming the major distributor in all of, our, of, of Ikeja, um, you amazing. know, from that. So for me, it was no longer a case of can we eat? We could eat, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm, we, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we we could fuel the car. We could. Well, that was me bringing in mine and my mom multiplying. Yeah. So it, it's so the issue of not going abroad was who is going to do what you're doing here? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Who is going to afford that sort of huge capital to do the shift? So if it's to be, it's up to me. So I I remember deciding that I was. Yeah, it wasn't beyond me, but I didn't know the answer. So I was going to fast and pray, I remember. And I decided I was going to do seven days fasting and praying. On the day one, someone said to me, why don't you go and speak to so-and-so, one of the parents of my children, so to speak, because I had my little children's yeah. club, because they travel a lot. So I went straight to her. Um, I said, I, I, when I went to drop the kids and I said, I, I wanted to travel. She's like, travel, why? I said, I'm British and I want to go back and study. And she was like, oh, but who's going to do all this stuff that you're doing for us? We become so dependent on you. I was like, well, it's my turn. I need to go and do something for me. She said, oh, that's not a problem. I'll buy your flight ticket. I said, oh, what? Wow. And that was it. Flight ticket sorted. Do you have a passport? Wow. I was like, passport? What's a passport? <laughs> so, wow. um, you know, that's just the journey. And I carried yes. on. I got my British because yes. my parents hadn't done my British passport either. So I, I went and I had... Um, got my British passport, got my Nigerian passport. Again, these are from parents helping out, chipping in, you know, oh, you've done this for my kids. You've done this, you've done that. Okay, what do you need? How much do you need? And that was it. And I just somehow figured it all out and got on a plane and and arrived here with my suitcase and slept on the floor for a good three months, you know. Wow. Let's take a break there because there's a lot to unpack there. That is, that is amazing. You know, you know something you said, and it always comes back to that saying, you keep saying it is down to me. If it has to be done, it's down to me. And one of the, there are two things you did, which I find really powerful. You started fasting and praying. And you see, that is, is so powerful in the sense that once we start, once we are connecting to God to hear what God is saying, it helps us to quieten down and stop moving and trying to figure things out. In the process, you're able to hear from God because I always say that, see, we are spirits. God is a spirit and he can speak to us. He's always speaking to us, but most times we're not hearing because we're just constantly moving. But insights for as a Christian is when God speaks to your spirit. And a lot of times we don't hear it, but when you don't quieten to pray and there's something powerful about praying because we're praying and the good type of prayer is you're listening. Mm. And when you listen, you hear. And that, and it's so great that when that person came to you on that first day to say, ask this person, 
If you were not that in that calm, quieting mode, you would have brushed it off and say, I don't need to. You did actually almost do. You know, why mm-hmm. would I speak to this person? But because you're in that quieting mode, listening and being able to take action, you took the action. So you're not just praying and praying and praying for seven days. You prayed, you listened, you acted. And that's so powerful. And you asked. That's yeah. the key. You asked. And you know, when you ask the opportunities come, I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> right. So then you came to the UK mm-hmm. and when you got here, um, you did, you know, we don't, because of time, we can't go into all the details. In fact, I think blessing, we need to come back and do a part two, part three and see where this leads us. But okay. in fact, it's interesting because I did not realize that you had started, you know, doing hair back in Nigeria because the story here is that I met you when I had my own hair and beauty salon and my main hairdresser had left and I was looking for someone to come and help me out. And someone said, do you know Blessing? And she, I said, no. She said, oh, she does hair, but she's not a hair, she's not a hairdresser, but she's very good. She, and I, I can't remember if she said you were trained, but she said you were very good anyway. Anyway, you came through, I spoke to you and the rest is history. You helped me out for a few months before I eventually had to um, sell and close the salon. You came to the UK and you navigated. And I think the reason I brought this up is that what you were doing back home, what you learned from home, it's a skill you had picked up and you could, you still used it even years later in the UK. And that is what ended up connecting us and probably connected you to so many other people. And that's so important that when we acquire skills along our journey, don't, um, don't, don't devalue it because they come in handy at different points and it's never wasted. So I'm going to give, you know, give you the mic again to now take us through how you then came into what you're doing now. So navigating through, I know you've done a bit in education and then you, I know, in fact, you, you, you a lot that you said really, you know, got, got me in, to understand a lot of what you do because the cake, I didn't even realize the cake baking, how you paid for yourself to go and learn that because you eventually what you do now is that. So I'll let you, I'll let you take it. I'll let you take it. Okay. I think it's important to, what you're saying is very, very key. Vocational skills, you can never have enough of them. And I think like what you're saying, I just think it's important to say is when I decided that I was going to come here, I always ask what is in my hand and I Mm. had skills. So I made sure that I got a qualification to quantify that skill before I left. Wow. So wow. my hairdressing, yes, I learned everything. I was fortunate enough to, to, to be with a mom who ran a vocational, back then was the NDE. So she had like mm. what we were in the UK, what we call MVQ school. So she had that. So I was exposed to a lot of skills, but I made sure I got my certification for hairdressing, for the baking, for the, I got the certification because I was preparing mm, yes. to come out here. So I I didn't think uh, when I come here, I'm going to become a cleaner. I'm going to know I've got something to offer and I'm going to exchange my value. So I prepared myself. So got here, of course, I've got education, experience. I've got, you know, so I, I got here, started looking for a job immediately. I got in, I got an admission. My university then emailed to say that 
course wasn't running that year because I didn't have enough intake. So it meant I couldn't start immediately. I got in. So I had more time to play with, so to speak. So I, I got a, I started looking for jobs within the education space. Um, I tried out in a couple of primary schools and then I ended up in a nursery school. Um, I was lucky enough when I knocked on the door, it was the owner who, who let me in. So she interviewed me on the spot, said she was going to give me a trial, which she did. She loved me. She employed me. I started off maybe the next Monday. I, I started my my career here. Wow. So I, I was working in nursery school. Of course, um, it's different from how things are done in Nigeria. So it took mm-hmm. a minute to calm myself down. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So um I got on with it. Well she was quite invested in me. She she would monitor me maybe from the CCTV. If she sees I did anything wrong, she'll call me in and correct me. Um so I started off there and the September of that year I was able to get um into another course and started schooling part-time, my psychology degree. So mm-hmm. having done that job, I think it was about for a year. I I saw I I it's almost like I fast forwarded I do fast forward myself in five years I do I, mentally I do look five years what does this look like for me in five years and mm-hmm. I couldn't see myself in that space in five years so I thought okay I need to find another space um, so I told the lady that I I would be looking for another job not because I'm not grateful but I need to advance and there's not much room here. Um, so as I then got a job in Ofsted, I applied um, for, as a civil servant and got a job in Ofsted um, within the help desk team for, for inspectors. Mm-hmm. So I got in at the then whatever the C1, whatever it was, you just, know, as an administrator. Just, uh, um, just to um, come in here, for those that don't know what Ofsted is, what is Ofsted in the Ofsted UK? is the office for education standards. So they're the ones who who manage the standards of education and inspect schools. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got in as an administrator and started my career there as an administrator. And then, of course, rose in the ranks, went into help desk management and things like that. And then there was a vacancy for training, training administrator, a training coordinator mm-hmm. was called. So, again, background in teaching. I, I was quite keen on it. Um, so I, I took on, I said I would take it on without extra pay because they said I, they won't give it to me. But I had qualified for a B3, which is first line management, but there was no job per se for it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I agreed to take it on. If I did the job well, in three months, they were going to give it to me. So they said, fine. And and that was what you negotiated for yes. yourself. You see, I think this is important to stop here and emphasize that. I like how you said that you kind of look, you know, five years at, in advance to where you're going to be or asking yourself the question, where do I see myself? And that's so powerful. You know how the Bible talks about vision, you know, write your vision down, have a vision. Vision is literally looking into the future to see. And it's asking yourself the question, what do I see? Do I see myself still doing this or rising? And that's planning. And when you give your brain something to plan for, something to see, your brain always takes you to that thing. It will help you navigate through it, you know, and it's so powerful, you know, and I like the way you said it because that is what helped you leave that initial job to go into Ofsted and helped you within Ofsted to see an opportunity. The first thing you didn't do, oh, I need the money. 
what you're seeing more of is where is it taking you? Because you knew where you wanted to go and you took it without pay, but negotiated. And I think that is so key, really negotiating what you want. A lot of times we don't, you know, surely women, a lot of women hold back from negotiating what they want, but you did at that point and say, okay, let me do it for three months. And then you see, oh, that's so cool. Okay, continue. So I did that. And it turned out that whenever the uh, head of department's PA was going on leave, for some reason, because I was the jack of all trade kind of person, mm-hmm. um, I would be asked to sit in um, for her. So I used to feel very cool with myself. I have to move desk from being with mere mortals to sit on the other side where the um, head of department's um, desk was and be her PA for a week or two whilst her PA was on, on leave. So um, that helped me a lot because it helped me with my communication skills and it, I I took advantage of it. I wrote her letters, I sent her emails. It really helped. So by the time I this job came up and I was bold enough to say, I'll do it see mm-hmm. what I can do, which mm-hmm. I did. Um, so I got into training coordination and part of the job was then to create a way days for the staff. Um, I've never done it before, but okay, let's try. So part of that was that to book in the venues, coming up with the agenda, you know, so um, I said, just let me do it. I have, you guys have nothing to lose. You're not paying me for it. If it goes wrong, you have lost nothing. If it goes right, you have gained so much. So the first away day, they gave me free reign, gave me a budget, and I managed it. I didn't spend all the money, but I gave us a beautiful away day. The agenda was on spot on. The, the engagement, it worked. So, of course, by the time we came back, I was pulled into a meeting on Monday. I was given the job, up my pay, bam, you know. And Well, you'd never done anything like that before, had you? Nope. Wow. Wow. Nope. Wow. I think, you know, creativity, this is why I say I'm an event designer, not a planner, yeah. because design yes. is my superpower. It doesn't matter yes. what space I go into. It doesn't matter what it is. I can think from within and come up with an idea. I'll come up mm-hmm. with a, a mm-hmm. solution. So mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I use that, I suppose. Um, mm-hmm. I'm more conscious of it now, but then it was just a thing I did. Um, mm. But now I, I claim it's my superpower and I know it's my strength. And so I, I play with it. Um, so I did that. And, and that's how I got into designing conferences, planning away days, training courses, training. So that we would have a budget and people need training. And of course, the money never meets. So you have to come up with creative ways hmm. to then make sure people do their key skills. So I then said, if I trained, if I trained to be the trainer and I delivered it in-house, it would be cheaper for us. So a lot of times that's what I ended up doing to make my budget work. So I, I became a trainer myself to then de- cascade the training down to others. And I saved my organization quite a, a significant amount of money. But whilst doing, I was racking up my own my own skills, my skills. own qualifications. You know, voc- vocational thing training came in then. Everybody had to have their ITQ when the whole buzz of IT came on. And was the IT department said they can't handle it. I thought I'll do it, you know, and I, I'm a yes person. So I, I got the training to deliver it and I became an, an A1 assessor, um, went on to be a V1. You know, I just kind of pushed my way through there. Yeah. And then yeah. fast forward a few years later, back to coming, moving, getting married, having kids and coming over to Kent, those skills, you know, those skills had stacked up. 
Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It, it was almost like that was a path. I loved, I just loved bringing people together. I loved gathering. I loved it. And I also loved designing. So you put two and two together. And what do you have then on a commercial level is to design events. and But not just design events to bring people together, but with a purpose. I want to know what my client's KPI is. I want to know why are you doing it? What is it you want to achieve? And then I walk backwards, design backwards to make sure that that need is met. Gosh, you know, um, listening to you and, um, and, and like I said, I've known you for years. A lot is falling into place for <laughs> me. I'm thinking, ah, okay, so this is how it started. And one of the things that I always find fascinating about you is your creativity. Your dopamine, gosh, goes into drives. You know, it kind of, it goes, it's amazing the way your brain works. And, um, you know, that whole, if there's a problem, what can we do? It's interesting because as you're very creative in things, you're so creative with people. It's if somebody has a problem, how do I solve it? For them, you know, your brain is constantly ticking that way. And now I see how the origin started, but Mm -hmm. the power in how you've leveraged it, how you've used it, how you've continued to really enhance those skills. Yes, I'm sure there are times you felt low, usually when, you know, background, when things were not going as planned. But what's really got, you know, pushed you is that, okay, what do I need to do? How? What's the solution? How do we navigate through this? And I think that is just commendable. So I want you to now share with us, okay, you've, your journey has been through the events planning. You you have a cake, you know, cake is still your, one of your biggest passions. Talk to us about the cake business and talk to us about the event designing and you know what you do because I know you you do wedding as well. You do corporate events. Talk to us a bit about that, and I'm going to kind of drill a bit, you know, drill a bit deeper into it. Okay, so carried on in my career, and then uh, after I think my second child. No, 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 no. We have to go back to first child. Um, it was it was her birthday, and we needed a cake, and I couldn't find anyone locally who could do what I wanted. Problem. <laughs> yeah okay I couldn't find anyone who could do what I wanted locally yeah. so I thought okay how do I give myself what I want so I went to a charity shop and I bought a baking book I remember I still have it it's two, it was £2.50 I still have the book wow. so I read it cover to cover and I thought I can do this I've trained even though how we do it there and how we do it, how it's done here is different I can find a way um, we didn't have, there was no YouTube then or Google where, you know, there's a hack for something. We didn't have it then, you know, you had to read. So I bought the tins, I bought the ingredients, I did everything, you know, just got on with it. I've got the basic skills, by the way. So I followed the recipe, I baked the cake. I remember baking the cake and decorating it. I didn't I didn't put any fillings in the cake because in Nigeria, you don't put fillings. Or here, you know. So I made the cake and everyone loved it. And when I look at the pictures now, I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> you know, but I got so much um, praise for it. And people yeah. right then and then asked me to to make their cakes for them. And I started making it. And you, of course, you you were one of those people who 
kept encouraging me like, oh, I've got this coming up. Oh, uh, it's Monday. Make me a cake. Oh, it's Friday. I need a Friday cake. You know, I've still got <laughs> pictures of your cakes that you made different times because there was a time I was so into, I think it was Russell and Bromley and you made yes. a cake of Russell yes, and Bromley yes, bag yes, or yes, something yes. for yes. me. And yeah, no, but your cakes, even my children's cakes, yes. I think it's the designs. And mm. I think that's that creativity that kept coming through everything that you did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Continue. Continue. Yes, it was it's definitely, definitely the design, you know? Um, so I, I, I made a few cakes and after, after a few, um, I think I thought these are people, friends of friends. So I, I kind of need to do things right. I'm always a person who likes doing things right. So I, mm. I did what I needed to do got the my food license as it were to to then make cakes from home um of course and registered it as a, a small business on the side because I still had my full-time job going. So I carried on doing that. Um and, and then with the cakes I started to grow I started making people ask for wedding cakes. My neighbor my neighbor's brother was getting married and wanted me to make the cake and oh, of course I had the panic. I'm sure we'll get to uh, uh, my panics. <laughs> Um, I had my panic, got over the panic, I did the cake, it was great. Um, and I think it just grew from there. And then mm. the, the design kept pushing through and I saw that I wanted to style my cakes. So when someone orders a cake, I don't just deliver a cake anymore. The cake has a table that has a cloth that has a this and has a that. And I did so many style shoots for magazines and Kent's Wedding Magazine will call me and they need, to, 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 can you feature this? And I'll start creating something and create a design and take the pictures and send to them. I was doing a lot of that, you know, for, for the magazine. And then it dawned on me that, hang on, what this is, is it's design, I, it's styling. I, I, I want to do more than just the cake. And that's how I got into event venue styling, you know, because um, I already had event design going on, but I, I, my expression was growing. Yeah. Um, so I started to look for specific fabrics. So I had to look for specific and I went all the way. My search led me all the way to suppliers in, in China. So I was now designing my own sort of florals, flower walls. You know, I'll come up with something and they can create it. And that it, it just it, honestly, it was like a, a kid in a child, in a, what you call it, in a sweet shop. In a sweet shop. <laughs> it was exciting. It was exciting. It wasn't even about the money anymore. It was just, oh, you know, um, but of course I've got, I've got bills to pay. You've got uh -huh. to check the balance. You've got to make money. You've got I'm to. I'm coming to that. <laughs> yeah. So my creativity took the better side of me and I was just creating and creating and creating for creating sake. Um, uh, so that's how we went from black cakes to blessing by Blair, which is the um, design styling. Mm -hmm. That's what it was mm -hmm. then. But it's, it's grown up to become something else, you know, but um that's the journey into it if that answers the question yeah yeah no that's that's really great because um i want you to continue a bit into where you're at now because i'm gonna go back but just okay. quickly into from the um designing weddings to where you are now in terms okay. of being international events and what you're doing now so just take us the whole journey because I'm going to go back a bit. Go backwards. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. So um I'm I'm doing my cakes and I had a, a boutique um where we made the cakes from and also had a wedding planning sort of office um in there. So so you literally created a, a proper business out of yes. 
Oh yes, yes. Right. I had I had the two businesses, so Black Chair Cakes and Blessing by Blair. Um, and then we had a premises um, where we worked from. And again, I had my five year plan thing. Where do I see myself in five years? And I thought if I'm going to do event planning, I also want to take into account my corporate events um, past and experience. And I had tried to do it here within my sphere. There wasn't much how do you put it? My, my skill set was not required in the space I was in. I'm back to space again. So I thought, okay, what space was this at that time? Um, the Kent market. Okay. The Kent market. I was doing very well with cakes and stuff. Yes. You know, um, but with the events, what I wanted to deliver didn't fit in my space. Mm -hmm. So I needed Mm -hmm. a new space. So I went Mm -hmm. back to my thinking self. I always ask myself, if you had a magic wand, what would you want? You have no restrictions. I thought, okay, I would want to do events in the oil and gas space. And I want to go international and I want to start from my home country, Nigeria. So I want to do oil and gas events in Nigeria and from there take over the world. That was just my wish. I wrote it down. It's my five-year plan. It's just between me and myself. Nobody's going to judge me whether I do it or not. It doesn't matter. But that was it. But as soon as I get one of those... desire. That that was it. And as soon as I get one of those things, I tend to go back to my fasting and praying. Mm. Now, when I say fasting and praying, it's because I've dreamed a dream that I think is bigger than where I am. Spot on. Yes. So the reason I fast and pray is I need to move myself Mm -hmm. to this Mm -hmm. new space. Because Mm -hmm. if I Mm -hmm. if my brain doesn't live there, I can't get there. Mm-hmm. So I fast and pray not because I'm praying to God to come and save me. Mm-hmm. I'm praying because I know God has already saved me. So mm-hmm. I I need to just move myself spiritually, and my physical will follow. That's that's mm-hmm. the simple way I can put it. So mm-hmm. um, my fasting and praying is to hear, is to connect with. I'm one with God, so I need to rem- I need to remember who I am. Mm-hmm. So that's why I fast and pray. And and as soon as I started fasting and praying, someone comes into my shop. I'm in my apron covered in flour. I was I was finishing up a wedding cake and I had uh, a couple who came in, no, three people came in, husband, wife, and a daughter who was getting married. They sat with me, inquired about their wedding cake. We finished that consultation. But whilst I was happening, someone else, another gentleman came in and I asked him to wait, so which he did. Um, so when I finished with these people and they left, I sat him down and he had observed that on my screen, I did events and luxury events and he could see, he he was intrigued by what he had seen and my work that was on the screen. And so he just came in to say what it was he came to do. And we talked about it and it wasn't of interest to me. He was selling something, but he, he then observed what was there and and said, oh, he also did blah, 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 blah. And and the story, I think that's a different podcast on its own, but Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we connected and it turned out that he was running events in Nigeria in the oil and gas space. So that's a story for another time, or we might come back to it, but that then led to you running events in Nigeria, in the oil and gas space, and that is just so powerful because it was a desire you had and then how you, and then it happened. Now, I want us to come back a bit into, you've, dis- you've told us how you've navigated different, you know, you move from one space to another. 
how what how has that been because when you're saying it it's like okay it's quite easy you know you want to move into a space and then you pray about it and then you shift and you go what's been the reality of moving into those spaces it's a good question the reality it comes down to a decision first of all i think it's a series of decisions decision is what do i want what do i want and that's something you've taught me even on a more advanced level now, what do I want? So once I'm clear on what I want, I convert what I want to an intention. So I write it down. This is, I hope that's detailed enough. I write it down. And when I start to write, it starts writing as I want, I want. That's fine. I just jot it down. Then I go back and rewrite it as present. I am. I I am, it's happening. I, 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 sometimes it doesn't happen immediately. Sometimes it takes me three months for that shift to take place. But why do you do that? Because I know that I can want till the cows come home. It makes no difference. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The more I want, I'll just keep attracting wanting more. Spot on. So that's a waste of, it's a waste of energy. Yes. And back to yeah. that, my saying of if it's if it is to be is up to me. If I if I ask the right question, I'll get the right answer. So mm-hmm. it's always mm-hmm. down to what is the right question to ask. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. keep I keep rephrasing my questions and writing down is a very good thing because if you just keep it all in your head, you don't know where you're at. Well, for me anyway. So I, I I journal a lot. I write a lot. So I write down my questions. What do I want? What do I want? And I keep checking what I want with that five-year dream or five-year vision mm-hmm. or five-year plan. If it if it's not going to get me there, why am I praying for it? Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. for me, that's the key thing is if God answers that prayer, I'm praying. Mm-hmm. Is it going to fulfill the need? So I'm, I'm okay. honest with myself because I strongly believe that God can do anything. anything. Yeah. Anything is possible. That's mm-hmm. not a, it's not a scripture mm-hmm. for me. It's a reality mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Anything is possible. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I need to determine what the thing is. Mm-hmm. That's the role I have to play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if I'm not clear on the thing, God is going to multiply whatever the thing I give is. So I need clarity on the thing. Because when he, when the blessing comes upon it and is multiplied, if I'm a minus and it's multiplied, I'm going to be more minus. Mm-hmm. If I'm in profit and it's multiplied, I'm going to have more profit. So I must be clear that the thing, I can attach the any to it because anything awesome. is possible. So it's very important to be clear on the intention and to be sure that the intention matches the goal. Yeah, clarity, clarity. And how establishing that clarity, how do you do that? By writing. I literally write. So, so it's writing. I, yes. Mm-hmm. So I write and I go back and read it again. And mm-hmm. I, I I, have, I have, I can let this out of, but I have an alter ego. I mm-hmm. have blessing and I have Ngozi. <laughs> I like that. These are her two names. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they're both my names, they're both me. Ngozi <laughs> is the normal, happy-go-lucky, whatever you like, default person. Blessing is the rewired brain. That has been mourned, like I always say. <laughs> um, often I come up with something. I have to then battle it between Ngozi and Blessing. So there's a debate going yeah. on. So yeah. I shifted from up here to down on my paper. So I'm now objective. I'm less emotive. I'm objective with it. 
Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. So it's it's away from me by writing it down. It's separated from me. I'm not emotive about it. I'm looking at it as though I was talking to somebody else because I'm very good at solving people's problems. Why can't I solve yeah. my own? Absolutely. And uh, let me just cut in a bit there because what you've described is so powerful that you've got your alter ego, you've got the gossip, you've got blessed. And for everyone listening, it could, it could be however you interpret it. It's up to you. But the the truth is. Your subconscious brain in what's in memory is going to battle anything you're bringing in consciously because what you have in your subconscious is your memory, is your beliefs, are those experiences, those experiences that you've had growing up, you know, like Blessing has just described her own experiences from childhood. A lot of those will come out, especially when you're now coming up with something new. Oh, but this is different. Your brain, your subconscious brain wants to keep you safe, protected. And you see, we're all wired differently. As well, I'm listening to you. I can tell immediately that your your frontal part of your brain, that dopamine is really what drives a lot of what you do. And that dopamine is, you know, that right side of the brain is where we have the, you know, a lot of that um, connecting with people, building relationships with people, where people matter to you. The problem is to be able to be objective, you've got to quieten that dopamine bit down and the estrogen, you've got to quieten it down a bit to be able to activate the serotonin to, so that you can think and analyze and evaluate. The problem is that many people don't know how to quieting one part and activate another part. They feel that, oh, I'm just creative. So I'm just in that creative space. It's your brain. It's knowing how to navigate this. And I know, bless you, you talked about Maureen, um, you know, being Maureen. It, all it is is coaching to enable you understand how to navigate your brain. You did talk about, you know, so, you know, let me not deviate a bit. So those two, literally is your subconscious and conscious brain at battle. So it's knowing how to navigate that. So you've got the ingozi, you've got the blessing, and you've developed a way of being able to detach the emotion from the, is it dingozi? It, it detach the emotion from the ingozi so that you can really be real, so that blessing can step in and then go, okay, this is what we're doing or this is what we need to remove or add and be able to do that. So thank you for bringing it up because that's really important in getting understanding where we need to go and connecting, you know, even hearing from God. So we are praying, we're hearing, are we hearing the right, is this what God is saying to me? Is it in line with what I, you know, I'm doing or where I'm going. Is it actually God speaking or not? You know, so all those things are so important. So thank you. So continue. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's important to, to add that Ngozi is the, she's very feely, feely. She feels, you know, she feels mm. it all. And, and I'm That's conscious of, yes. Yeah. And I'm conscious of my feelings and I'm, my feelings to me is an indication of what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, so my feelings mm-hmm. is not a spiritual thing. It's just indicates what I'm thinking, either consciously or subconsciously. Exactly. So, yeah. When I have certain feelings, I have to ask, why am I feeling that way? Spot on. Yes. Why? 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 Yes. Why? Why am I having yes. feelings? Exactly. That deep, you yeah. know. So um, when I'm aware of how I'm feeling, I'm aware of what I'm thinking, and Good. the truth is, I have the power to change my thoughts. 
Yes. My thoughts don't yes. determine me. I determine my thoughts. So Thank if you. I can change my thinking, then I can mm-hmm. change my feelings. Emotions. Absolutely. Yes. And that's what I teach yeah. my kids. You know, even I've got teenagers. So of course you've got the whole. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I have taught them and I keep teaching. It's, mm-hmm. it's a choice. Absolutely. If you let your feelings determine your day, you have mm-hmm. no control over your day. Mm-hmm. And I say the same to myself. So mm-hmm. when whenever I feel the feelings, what's going on? Yeah. It's asking the question. You've got to stop and ask your brain the question. Why am I feeling this way? Because your brain will give you the answer. Because a lot of times those emotions or feelings are below our consciousness. Mm. And that's why you can suddenly be feeling something and then going, what's going on here? Mm. If you don't stop and ask your brain the question, you will just go with that emotion in the wrong, where your brain is taking you. Your brain is only acting on the information it has and that's your subconscious brain. And that's what drives 90% or even more of what we do. So what we want to do is consciously take that control back so thank you blessing and guaranteed my feelings will never align with my dreams or my visions mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. i have to i have to teach them to follow me because if i wait for when i feel right to do something I, I, i'll be waiting a long time so anyway continuing on I, i've gone in and i'm designing events um internationally now and i'm excited i'm in this space and i went in into a space that was bigger than me and it was like when you take a koi fish out of a, a fish bowl and put it in a pond and all of a sudden mm-hmm. you're like, so this fish could be this big. I watched myself and I watched you watch me um, just become, I, 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 I just became, you know, so when I make that statement, it's not a, it's not a fancy word. It's a real thing. Mm-hmm. I watched myself become more than I thought I was. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the question then came, could there be more? <laughs> so I was no longer hungry. I became greedy. Um, I want more. I can be more. I can be more. So I, I, I did a lot of work with you in my identity, you know, because shifting, and I think for us as women, shifting from identifying who you are with what you do, I, that is a, a big thing on its own. So who I, what I do does not determine who I am. Who I am will influence what I do. But it took me a minute. That's again. Okay. What I do does not determine who I am. Mm. Who I am is what will determine what I do. Yeah. It took me a minute Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. align with that statement Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. I struggled. I struggled with my identity. Coming into this space, I desired it. I want it. I'm here. I struggled. I struggled. The struggle was, why, why am I here? What can I offer? Oh my God. Um, what are they expecting of me? Oh, can I even do it? What, what do I think I'm doing here? I'm just a this. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I know people just say imposter syndrome, but I, I, I have a different take on it now. But then, my goodness, I didn't, I didn't think I should be there. Mm-hmm. I, I really struggled with, yes, I'm here. I desired it and I walked my way there or whatever. But every year I always had the, <gasps> every yeah. year it was a case of, oh my God, what am I supposed to do here? And I saw that that feeling affected my work mm-hmm. because you don't, because I didn't value, I, I lost sight of my value in the space I was in. 
it's affected my delivery because of my confidence. Yeah. Um, but I think the advantage of having a coach is you can be honest and come to the table with that. And, and again, being, being coached to think correctly, you know, it's just someone to help you with your thinking, but it's back to a feeling. It's a feeling. Yeah. It's just a feeling. Yeah. So that feeling is an indication of what you're thinking, whether it's mm-hmm. consciously or consciously. So we go back to that cycle again. So my thinking had to be almost manual. I had to let go of autopilot fully yes. and manually think. Intentionally. I had yes. to think. I had to write so many. I had to just, I was going through books, one book a week from my thinking. When I wake up in the morning, I I write down Every morning, who I am, what I am, my intention, what I'm great. I took the deliberate steps to do it for months, maybe maybe up to a year of consolidating. I had to reprogram my brain. I had to rewire my brain. I had to tell my brain how to think. Yes, yes we're this, we're that, but this is to move forward. This is how I want you to think. And yes. using the tools that I gained um, from, from the Mindset Academy, I was able to Put it to work. I'm not someone who learns for learning's sake or to to express that I've learned something or take joy in knowing. I want to do. I want to action. And for me, the Bible, the scripture isn't a storybook. I'd rather have five scriptures that make sense and I can put to work than the whole, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, because again, if you think about it, back to my if it has to be, it's up to me. I need to know what I can do and just yeah. give me give me action to take. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So. So for me, I think from 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 being that in that space to ooh, if that is possible, what's next? And I open myself up, and there's more coming. <laughs> if I put it that way, blessing. That's awesome. You know what? I'm going to. We're going to have to do a part two because we can go on and on because your journey has just been amazing in terms of how you've learned to take that control back of your brain, how to manage the emotions, which is all, which is emotional intelligence, basically knowing, understanding the brain, understanding the emotions, understanding that you are in control. One thing that I want us to touch on before we round up today is you did mention that when the first person came to you and asked for a cake for, I think it was a wedding or family thing, you panicked. Now I want to I want to talk to us about how you navigated that panic because I know there was also a time and you see this is so important whereby and you did mention it briefly every time you're going to step up panic would set in the reason why is that it's unknown to your brain so your brain doesn't know it so it wants to protect you from it so you panicked at that stage i know there was a time you went you did your first international wedding you panicked as well can you just talk to us about this and how you navigated it how you lead because we we've been talking about rewire your brain how did you do it okay so i can talk about i think the wedding one is one that um, i would want to talk about i had my first destination wedding booked um and i went out with the, with the bride a couple of times sourced the venue did all that now this is the night before the wedding itself everyone is there i've i've, I've done my job i've got everyone there it's just before we hit go i had a severe panic attack i didn't sleep at all that night i did not sleep one week 
I went to the venue several times the evening before just to cross-check and recheck, and it was all good. Um, but that night I didn't sleep. I was in a pool of my own sweat. Um, it's the biggest thing I had done at the time. And in the morning, as God would have it, um, uh, um, and I'm grateful, I, I always say to you, I'm grateful for you. You rang me all the way in Rome where I was. And I picked up the phone and you could tell I wasn't okay. And I told you what was going on. I don't even know if I was able to articulate my words. But you then told me it was amygdala hijack. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And true to form, when you come up with these things, I just want to understand what's going on. So you told me what it was. And I was like, good. There's a diagnosis. What's the cure? <laughs> Straight up. You know, um, so I think it shifted me slightly from what I'm panicking about to, oh, there's a problem to solve. There's something else I need to learn. Quick, quick, what is it? And I remember standing in front of the mirror when you were talking to me. Maybe you told me to go to the mirror. So I sat in front of the mirror, my phone, and I was, I remember because that's the vision I have of it. And you, you, you explained to me what was happening, the science behind the amygdala hijack. So I understood fully the science of what is going on. Good. Now, what do I do? Mm-hmm. So you you started asking me questions. Why are you here? Why do they hire you? Blah blah blah. Do, 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 do. You know this stuff. You know you you were able to give me, ask me questions for me to answer that brought me back into the room mm-hmm. because I had panicked and let fear. I was afraid of the unknown. Yes, I was afraid of the unknown. And, and I'm not. If I'm thinking about it now, what was the unknown? I don't know. It's mm-hmm. a wedding. I've done many of them before, but now I can say that. But at that time. <gasps> You know, but when yeah. you bring it into context and you can separate the feelings again, exactly. you realize it's just just another step, you know. Um, so I think rewiring of the brain for me is has been, is, not has been, will forever be with me because I'm forever going to be, be changing. Mm-hmm, so it's mm-hmm. it's it's a, a being comfortable with the change. Absolutely. Yeah. When you when you allow yourself resist the change, you resist mm-hmm. growth. Yeah. Um. And I know you started off with a while back about growth mindset, and that's that exposed me to mm-hmm. oh, I can actually mm-hmm. program myself to be mm-hmm. in that mode. Yeah. Um. If you if you choose to have a growth mindset, you have to choose the discomfort that comes with it, Absolutely. and there's nothing wrong with it. It's yeah. okay. It's okay to not know. Um, and, and there's something I, I, I wrote down back then. I said, if I can't get rid of the fear to do it, I will do it afraid. Absolutely. Yeah. So as soon as I realized that the fear is not, I, I, I don't need to get over the fear to do it. I, mm-hmm. Fear, you're welcome to come along with the ride. I find mm-hmm. that as soon as I open the door for the fear to come into the car, you don't hear from the fear anymore. Um, so... Um, maybe I'm, mu- I'm mumbling, but, but for but me, it makes sense. Yeah, um, it makes sense. For me, you talked me off the ledge that day with whatever it was you said, because you made me look into myself to see who I was. Mm-hmm. You are, you are good at what you do. That's why someone took you from where you were. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To, there's a reason. Mm-hmm. And they're paying you for it. Yeah, so, exactly. You know. So how did the wedding go after that? Oh how my did God. it go? It's it's it still brings tears to me. It was such a bliss. 
it was so amazing. It's mm-hmm. I'm still in touch with the family, you know. Um, it's it was just an amazing event. It was just an amazing event, and I'm so grateful for the opportunity to have done it, mm-hmm. and and others since then. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it's important to to note that this thing we call imposter syndrome is an indication of growth. We're just going outside of our box. Exactly. Exactly. It's not a negative thing. Exactly. Very positive, positive thing. thing. Exactly. And you see, I think you saying that is so important because it all comes down to perspective. Yeah. It all comes down to how you interpret some anything, and the way you interpret it will become your reality. For yes. it to be the reality for you, because what you described that you experienced, it's it's what we call imposter, but it's growth. It's opportunity to grow. And even as a Christian, we say when God gives you a vision or gives you something that is bigger, you know, some people call it God-sized vision or God-sized dream. It's bigger than you. And because it's it's bigger than where you are now. That's what it is. But to be able to get there, you've got to stretch. You've got to exercise those muscles. Like when you're going to the gym and you want to build your muscles, you've got, but a lot of times we shy away from that uncomfortability of the pain or the challenge or the resistance. But all we need to do is really push embrace through. Embrace it. You have to embrace it. Exactly. You know, exactly. You have, to, you have to push, you have to look for imposter syndrome situations because that Thank means you. you're growing. Yeah. You have yes. to go and look yes. for it. You have to yes. go and look for yeah. it. Um, yeah. Because the more you have it, the more you're growing. And once mm-hmm. you overcome something once, mm-hmm. you've overcome it. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. um, so don't don't overcome and say, oh, I've overcome. Thank God I'm here now. No, don't settle. Keep going, keep yes. pushing. Because yes. we're forever because we are limitless. You know, thank you. Is the extent I'm curious to see the extent to which I can grow. I want to know what yeah. else there is within yeah. me. I want to know what yeah. else I can do. What yeah. problems can I solve? I want mm. to see the next version of blessing. What is mm. it going to be? Who is she mm. going to? to meet, you know, I'm curious to see, um, what's next for me. I love that. I love that. I'm going to bring this to a a close for now because the next podcast guys watch out is going to be the next phase of where blessing got to, but blessing, can you just tell us quickly what you're working on now? Cause I know you've got an event coming up soon. And um, if you just talk to us about what's Black Global and what you're doing at the moment. Okay, so Black Global is an international business relations um, consultancy, um, again, an offspring from, from other things that we've done in the past. So at this point, it's, it's facilitating market entry either into the UK or from UK to other parts of the world. So go, businesses who want to take their, themselves global, we can help facilitate that. And we do that through um, our connections, collaborations, and just the human capital, you know, cutting through red tape to get to get you to where you want to be. Um, we've got an event coming up in uh, October, 21st of October, the Empower Gala. Again, it's simply to inspire and empower people. We're, we're looking to recognize those who have done um, quite a lot in the Kent community and also to inspire those who are just joining or the younger generation that anything is possible, you know, where you are is not um, the determining factor, not where you are physically, but where you are mentally is what determines 
where you end up. You know, like I keep saying about space, space. It's important to identify the space you're in. If the space you're in isn't big enough, just like when you have a child, you put them in a in a crib, then a cot, then a baby bed, then you move them onto a single bed, then you move them on to a a, a double bed. Do you see what I mean? You have to increase your space in order to grow. And it's important that you do that for yourself as an individual, so personal development. And then you also do that for your business, business development. You can't just develop the business without yourself or develop yourself without the business. So for us at Black Global, it's about looking at the holistic way to make sure you get to your global goals. That's kind of what we we do in, in Black Global. Thanks so much. And where can people find you? Oh, on the internet. You can go to Google if you type in my name, it comes up. Ooh. But anyway, awesome. you can answer. <laughs> <laughs> blackglobal.co.uk and we are across all social media platforms as well with the handle Black Global. Awesome. I'm going to put all the um, the links in the description as well so you can click on them. Blessing, thank you so very much for coming on. I knew this podcast would be long, but it's just full of so many nuggets. Thank you for opening yourself up to us. And I know we're going to do another, a part two, to really, to, to really look at the journey of going deeper into how you actually navigated it because you, you know, now I love it because your, your, your business is called Blair Global. You wanted that you wanted to be global and you are global. You know, every time we ask blessing, where are you now? Oh, I'm in Rwanda. I'm in Dubai. I'm here. You know, it's just amazing to have a desire and go for it. So we're going to go into that, you know, in a bit of detail in terms of how you navigated that path. So finally, can you give our listeners one final word of wisdom? You've given us so much, but just give us something to take away with finally. Okay. I think I'll repeat one of the ones I've said before, which is if you cannot get rid of the fear to do it, do it afraid. It's afraid. Thank you so much. The other thing I'm going to add to that is I love that analogy where you described you opened the door and said, you know what, fear, come in and drive with us, but we are still going. We are going, and that is doing it afraid. The fear is coming along and it's coming with you. The fear is not coming in and stopping you. You're mm. still driving, you're still moving, and that's so important. Thank you so much, Dr. Blessing and Akimio. It's such a joy to know you. It's such a joy to have worked with you all these years. And um, yeah, I am so pleased that you're, you're, you're in my space and I'm in your space. Thank you so very much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. Thank you. We've gotten to the end of another enlightening episode of Lead to Excel podcast. Thank you for spending your valuable time with us today, diving deep into the intriguing world of neuroscience and leadership. Remember, the journey to personal and professional excellence is not a sprint. It's a marathon. And every step, no matter how small, brings you closer to your goals. If you found value in our conversation today and it sparked insights or even questions, I invite you to share your thoughts with us. Join our community on the Mindsight Academy. It's called Limitless Leaders Community. 
where we continue the conversation and share valuable resources to help you lead and excel. Please also consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Your feedback not only helps us improve, but it also helps others find our show. Sharing is caring after all. Lastly, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. We have a treasure trove of insights, inspiration, and expert advice coming your way in every episode. And trust me, you won't want to miss a single one. Thank you once again for tuning in. Until next time, this is Maureen Chiana reminding you to keep exploring, keep learning, and keep leading to excel. Stay safe, stay motivated, and let's live a life of no limitations. Because after all, you are limitless.